Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We are recording from HR Tech in Vegas, brought to you by our friends and partners at Fuel50. Here's your host, Mark Pfeffer. Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer, and recording again today at the Expo Hall of the HR Technology Conference and Exhibition, and I'm joined right now with Mervyn Denon. Thank you, Mark. Uh, yes, I'm Mervyn Dinan from the, the UK. I'm based in London. I'm an analyst, uh, writer, um, speaker uh, around uh, HR talent work tech trends. Um, I, I, I collaborate with uh, HR recruitment tech companies to kind of research what's going on and to write reports. I've co-authored two books called Exceptional Talent and Digital Talent. Uh, and I have a, a, a brand new podcast called HR Means Business, which is uh, based on the HR Happy Hour Network, uh, in which um, I'm looking to hopefully explore some of the some some of the trends that, that we're hearing about here, the big issues for HR. So, as you've been wandering around here and you know, attending sessions and all that kind of thing, what are you seeing that really strikes you? Um, the first thing that struck me when I walked in is because obviously this hasn't been on for three years. And if I think back to all the previous uh, HR Tech Expos I've been to, I've been to everyone since uh, 2012. Um, as you walk in, there's usually huge booths from people like Workday and ADP and Oracle and, and, and um, Success Factors. And, and that, that, that's usually the first sign. Um, walking in the Expo Hall this year, um, it's all recruitment. It's if you look at the big booths as you walk in, it's Paradox, it's Eightfold, it's Phenom. It's, there's a big shift there. And I think it represents a, a lot of uh, the challenges we have in the market, which is talent, how to, how to find it, how to hire it, how to retain it, develop it, keep it. Um, and the fact that it's the, I suppose, the AI, the, the data organizations um, and the recruitment ones that seem to be um, front and center and a lot of the uh, sessions I've been in are very much around these kind of challenges around finding talent, uh, uh, keeping talent, and, and, and I suppose, yeah, areas like that. Well, that's something of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because on the one hand, it gives employers a lot, of, uh, a lot of options. But on the other hand, it can be confusing. Yeah, it... it I think it is confusing. I get the impression from the odd conversations I've had with attendees that, that there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's so much advice out there uh, and so many different ways to do things that it is quite confusing as to, there's no real kind of, well, this is the obvious, you know, there's no consensus, you know, yeah, this is the way you find the talent you need or, or this is the best way to hire them, this is the best way to assess them, this is the best way to integrate them. Um, there isn't that because everybody, I suppose, is offering something slightly different. Um, but it, it's, I think it's been a gradual um, progression there. I mean, we're sitting on the uh, Fuel 50 booth. Um, and I remember seeing Fuel 50 back in 2016 um, where um, Anne was, uh, had a, a group of uh, analysts uh, to um, show us the system, to demo it. And... You know, back in 2016, you know, internal mobility didn't seem like it was something that would be a huge sector within the HR tech industry. But I remember the discussion that I had with her at the end saying that it, it will become a talent acquisition issue gradually because, 
Yeah, if I go back to when I started in the workplace, um, that's how you got on. You joined a company and they developed you and they moved you around and, and they gave you new challenges within the organization. And then we went to the phase where the only way to develop your career is to keep changing companies. Um, and now we're, we're in a time where I suppose a lot of the accent is on retention and development of talent and skills. And so it, it's kind of, it, we're back to looking internally first, which is a good thing. Do you think um, there's any need or would it be advantageous for a vendor to get involved at the talent acquisition phase and you know, do pretty much everything all the way through uh, the exit? Um, well, I think that there's a lot that are, are hoping to do that, um, and, and that's by, by acquisition. So, it, it, you know, it, it, it's the, I don't think if you're very, very good at one thing, it doesn't necessarily follow that if you then move into, I suppose, a different part of the ecosystem that you'll be as good there. So, I mean, what, what I see is, is, you know, the large organizations acquiring the, the, the smaller ones who are doing things that um, are different to what they do and can offer a much more, I suppose, specialist offering to clients. So I think it's the whole suite as opposed to kind of just one large organization that, that say they can do everything. Would you say this is a healthy industry? A healthy industry? Can you, can you define that? Well, you know, most companies being profitable, uh, product lines that are leading in a realistic direction, um, the money that's being invested in it being well spent, not, not everything that goes into it being flushed away. Um, yeah, uh, it's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, the, the, the straightforward answer is, I don't really know, uh, but we're not having this conversation for me to say, I don't know. Um, I think it, it, there are dangers. Um, and I think that if I'm looking at the user end, so if I'm looking at, 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 at the corporate end, they might get locked into contracts where, you know, ultimately their business goes in a direction where maybe their, their, their technology suppliers aren't able to support what they need at that time. Um, I mean, I one of the big things for me coming out of, and it's not a surprise, I suppose, all of the events that I've been involved with, uh, either virtually or in person, like here, uh, post-COVID, uh, have had a very much center on well-being. Um, and so, I mean, that's one of those areas where I think that, you know, for large tech companies to then try and have some form of well-being offering might, it, it might not sit right. There are a number of quite small uh, and growing well, well-being operators all do different kind of things. Um, and I think that, that that's the way to go there. So um, whether or not any of those will eventually get, get taken over, I don't know. But I think that as things evolve um, and, and some of the areas like the well-being, I suppose, and, and, and the skills development um, become very specialized, then, you know, I, I suppose the time of the one big tech company that does everything will, will pass. Now, one of the things that's changed over the last three years, as you were talking about, is um, the emphasis on skills seems like everybody's talking about skills what a lot of people have opinions on this but I'm, I'm curious just to know what you think is what what's behind it and is this something that's kind of a cultural shift or is it just kind of a, a business 
rise for a little while? I think it's been a gradual thing. Um, I mean, I remember, oh, two, three years ago, uh, before COVID, um, I can't remember where I saw it, but, but uh, there was a lot of writing about this um, uh, shift from job-based uh, job HR to skills-based HR. Um, and I think that it's probably been a natural kind of uh, uh, shift to this uh, concept of, of the skills. There was the, the World Economic Forum uh, report back in 2016, 17, about 50% of skills will need to be you know, up, upgraded within the next five years. And, and uh, there's been a lot of uh, predictions like that, that people's jobs are changing and the more we go through digital transformation, we require then different skills within the organisation. Um, in fact, that's that's covered in part of the book, Digital Talent, that I co-authored. Um, and the, the, the so I think it, it's, there's something, I think, personally human about it. It's, in a, it's enabling the individual to maybe develop a range of skills and interests that um, yeah, might help them in, 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 in their career, in their growth, in their, their well-being, in their satisfaction with themselves at work if they feel that, that, that they're learning more and doing more and being able to change. Um, I think that it, it, it has to be... It has to be right. Uh, it can't just be an add-on. It can't just be, yeah, we're helping our people de develop skills, but we're not going to use them. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like a hobby thing. Um, but I think I, one of the things that, that, that I see happening in all the sessions I've been to and just going around the hall uh, talking to vendors <clears throat> is this shift from uh, kind of management and direction to support and enablement. And... Historically, it's all been about very much organizations, you know, we manage our people, you know, performance management. And, and there's, there's, you know, there hasn't been this kind of, I suppose, softer. Maybe it's going to be more post-COVID with, with the accent on well-being. But actually, it's about supporting people, supporting and enabling them, enabling, enabling our, supporting and enabling our people to be able to, to achieve their best work and be happy with what they've achieved. So... I'm not saying that, you know, you support your employees in developing skills they're never going to use because um, that then becomes a hobby that, that I suppose they can do in their own time. Uh, but I think that by helping them develop skills, you're, you're helping them possibly um, to, to do different work, to do more work, to get more satisfaction from the work they've done. And, you know, if they're happy with their development and they're satisfied, then you're going to retain them. You know, I've heard it said that there's three ways to get skills. You borrow them, buy them, or build them, which I think is a, a good way of encapsulating it. But it also strikes me as being a terribly complex problem um, if someone in a company, corporation, is going to try to balance those ways out in a way that makes sense to use contingent workers here, contractors there, full-time people there. What do you think of that? Um, I think it's inevitable. And I think that, um, you know, if I go back, I mentioned earlier, you know, when I started work, um, so I started working, you know, you, you remained in one organization. Um, so I think, you know, it, even back then, you know, you, you, you would bring in people. So it, you might bring in somebody from outside, borrow if you like, um, for a three-month assignment or whatever to do things that, that maybe nobody in the organization could do or maybe didn't have the bandwidth to do. So I, I don't think it's, it's new. It's just that the, the, the buying part is the thing that's becoming very, very difficult. 
So it's the talent market is is challenging, as we've heard in probably every session at this conference and every session at every conference over the next year or two is going to be challenges of, of, of hiring. Uh, uh, we can't find the people. How do we retain the people? And, and that's going to be a challenge. And there are a whole shift. Yeah, there's whole reasons, demographic reasons, economic reasons, why you know it's becoming difficult. Um, and yeah, the pandemic. We know people have left the workforce. I'm not getting involved in any hashtags like great resignation, great rehiring, quiet quitting, and all of that stuff. It, it, it um, that just sells kind of reports uh, on the digital uh, uh, sites. Um, but it, it has become more difficult to actually attract, hire, and retain the people you need. And so you have to look at other ways that you're going to achieve ultimately all the company goals. Uh, and it might be it might be by borrowing and it might be by building. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think building, borrowing it, it has become more attractive because uh, the, 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 I suppose, increase in remote working or the increase in organizations realizing that they don't need people in a location all the time, uh, which we've seen in the last couple of years. So it opens up the world effectively. So, you know, in terms of the borrowing, you know, it can be somebody on another continent, you know, who's doing that assignment for you. So I suppose that's been opened up a bit, which is why it's, it's top of mind. Um, but I think it, it's, you know, if there wasn't a problem with the buying, then we wouldn't be hearing as much about the, the borrowing and the building. Mm. Now, the building seems like a pretty big undertaking, um, you know, to get the systems to be engaging and to be useful and all of that kind of thing. Um, when you look at the learning component of the business, do you think they're on top of that? I, I don't think most businesses are on top of it yet. Um, again, walking around an expo hall like this, uh, you've got a lot of suppliers um, with learning content, you know, different ways. So, you, you know, whether it's the subscription model or whether it's access to, to various different things, um, it, or you've seen a lot of growth in that area with the big companies, the big learning companies, people like Cornerstone buying up smaller players. So I think learning is an area where people are really, really trying to, you know, it's a very much a growth area in the HR tech or the work tech market. Um, I think it takes time. Uh, because people kind of learn differently and they, they need different, um, I suppose, different rewards. So it might be that, you know, we have people in our organization who will develop skills by pretty much you know, accessing the learning themselves and doing what they need to do to, to uh, build on that. Whereas you'll have people who actually want more kind of, you know, learning with, with, with somebody there to help them. Um, but uh, the way we're going is very much the self-directed learning. Um, and, you know, the information is there, the learning is there as and when you need it. And, I mean, a lot of the research that comes out shows that, that that's what, you know, people want. Uh, um, and it was um, access to um, one of the big uh, things uh, during the, the, I suppose, the early days of the pandemic. I was involved in some research. <clears throat> and it, it was very important to people to have that ongoing access to learning, uh, particularly if they weren't, you know, if they were used to being in an office or a workplace situation, which they then weren't. Um, so I think it is important, but I think it, it's, 
it's got to be something that actually helps the company move forward and helps the company build the skills and knowledge base of their organization. Um, and I think that's, the, that, 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 that's where people possibly need to, I suppose, spend more time in, in, in what they're investing in uh, to see how it will support the people, how it will support the business. So how do you see the business advancing itself over the next, say, three to five years? Is it, going to be, is it going to be a significant change? Is it going to be kind of a quiet evolution? I think one of the most exciting things about working in this space um, is the, 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 the easy answer to what you've just said is we don't know. Um, it, it's kind of, you know, if we were having this conversation in 2019, um, you know, what I would have said, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to see in 2020, 20, 21, 22, you know, it wouldn't have happened. Uh, because you know, other other things happen, uh, and I think certainly in the West, you know, we've got uh, in most countries, <clears throat> you know, a rising cost cost of living crisis, you know, energy problems, um, a, a a health or a mental health and well being crisis as well, um, and I think that, that that's possibly changed changed the game a little bit, um, and that's why I say about you know the language moving more towards like support enablement rather than kind of management. Um, and I think that, that it will be an interesting time, um, but I think organizations will find over the next three to five years that they're, 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 it's not a straightforward path. You know, there's going to be twists and turns along the way, um, and you know, we, we, we don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, but what one thing that has happened uh, is, is that um, after the, I suppose, the two years of COVID, you know, people... Uh, as individuals have pivoted slightly in what they want from life, what they want from work, how they want to live their life, how they want to balance, I suppose, work and life, family, uh, uh, outside interests. Um, and I think organizations are, are learning at the moment how to kind of satisfy that, but also, you know, have, have got to balance it from their own side as well. So I think that how this all plays out over the next three to five years will be fascinating, which will keep us coming to events like this. Uh, and we'll keep the vendors uh, uh, um, iterating what it is they do. Um, but I think it would be very, it's not easy to predict. And those who say, look, within five years' time, this will happen and that will happen, um, might have research, but a lot of it's guesswork as well. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to come talk to me. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to PeopleTech of the HCM Technology Report. This HR Tech series is graciously brought to you by our partners at Fuel50. For all other HR, sourcing, and recruiting news, check out hcmtechnologyreport.com. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. 
Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.